Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Rock in a Hard Place podcast special edition. This is our songwriter session, and we are stoked to have with us our guest tonight. His name is Kevin Max. He's a guy that you know from lots of different things. He's done solo work. He's done group work a couple of different times, DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline. Kind of back going through the solo thing, but Kevin, I want to say thank you so much for coming and hanging out uh, with me tonight and, and just kind of chit-chatting. Absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Excellent. Even though it's on Skype. Even though it's on Skype. That's right. I'd, see, I'd rather sit down face-to-face one of these days. Not a big Skype fan, but yeah, I'm definitely more of a face-to-face guy. Yeah. Um, coffee shop, bowling alley, you know, whatever. Rodeo. Whatever works. Well, what we got to do is get you out to California and have you uh, have you actually live in the studio with Broken FM. Would love that. So we'll, uh, I'm, uh, I'm actually going to be in California in August. Oh, so okay. All right. Possibly we could do that then. Anywhere yeah. near uh, San Francisco? No. Uh, Los <laughs> Angeles. Okay. That's a bit of a ways away. So yeah. no, well, no, San Fran. Not this time. Um, I've heard about that 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 Japanese uh, meltdown. That's coming across the ocean towards you guys. <laughs> I don't know how to how I feel about that. That's I'm, a a big sushi, I'm a big sushi fan. Okay, and you know, I don't necessarily want radioactive sushi. You know? I understand that. I understand that. How do you that. feel right now? Do you feel okay? I feel fine. Yeah. Well, we're so we're that whole thing is just. Um, <laughs> We're like sixty matter, miles. Right? We're sixty miles north of San Fran, so you know I think uh, we we live near what's what's classified as a nuclear free zone uh, in Sebastopol, California, and so I have a feeling that they have some kind of a, a shield or a, a barrier that uh, if any nuclear radiation comes towards them, it just kind of skirts around everything. So you know I I don't know I I think we'll be okay. I, I that's that's just my take on it. Good. <laughs> so. Uh, man, it is so cool to be able to sit and chat with you. Um, we talked not too long ago with, at, uh, Broken FM on the air about your new album, uh, Broken Temples. And, uh, we had a great time with that. And I thought, you know, I want to kind of just dive in and, and chat with Kevin a little bit one-on-one and go all the way back to the beginning of music for you. So, it kind of started at the beginning. What was the first time that you ever, as a person, felt music impact you in some way? I mean, probably as a kid, I mean, you know, music is, music was a constant in my life. Um, I'd say as early as, you know, being carted off to, 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 um, Sunday school by my parents, you know, I was listening to music. My mother played the organ. So she, you know, she was, or the piano, she was always up on stage playing. So, and then she would be practicing in the house. Mm-hmm. So, that was a huge part of, you know, hearing the music and and understanding it. We had a record player back then. My dad would play old Johnny Cash records, and um, he was an Elvis fan. So, I got brought up on Elvis and Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. My first out, al- my first vinyl record that I can remember was Paul Simon greatest hits. It's really strange because <laughs> I'm not necessarily a huge Paul Simon fan, but that was my, the first record I could remember. Yeah. And then I got like John Lennon shaved fish from a neighbor and, um, started listening to the Beatles, started listening to queen. 
started listening to, you know, and then and then it then it became the eighties before I before I knew it. I was born in sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, my high school years from eighty to eighty five was a steady diet of new wave, everything okay. from, you know, the police to you two to the fix to the cure to David Bowie. So um, I kind of my tastes were largely um, all about growing up and learning from other people okay. that were that were around me, um, next door neighbors, peers at school. Um, wasn't until I was, you know, probably, I would say early teens that I really wanted to be a musician, um, professionally. Okay. And I started thinking to myself, you know, I could do this. <laughs> I can actually sing better than most people in choir. So, yeah. you know, um, and I had a crazy haircut back then. I was, I was known as a new waver. I, I was a skinny kind of strange kid that you know, got into sports, but wasn't really into sports. Um, I was more into music and a drama. So, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of an outcast, but, uh, you know, my favorite band in the eighties was Duran Duran. So go figure, you know? Okay. So uh, seven and the ragged tiger. Did you have uh, like a, what was your favorite album of theirs? Cause that would have been, that would have been Rio. Okay. Probably Rio. Uh, the the first one was my was my favorite, and then Rio came along and it, it, it destroyed that to me, which was amazing. <laughs> and Seven and the Ragged Tiger, Tiger kind of fell away from the the formula, and it, it became a little pop to me. Right. And the, the reflex grated on my nerves a little bit. <laughs> okay. Which is sad because Nile Rodgers did that, and I'm a huge fan of Nile Rodgers. Um, but um, New Moon on Monday, Union of the Snake, mm-hmm. all all that stuff was great. Yeah, no, I I would agree with you. My my older brother was a big Duran Duran fan, and so for me, that's what I grew up with him listening to. And of course, he was older, so he controlled the stereo. So you know, Duran Duran, Def Leppard, those were just a few of the of the the sounds that would come out of our bedroom when he was back there listening to his music. So absolutely, I mean, I, I, my first concert was uh adam adam and the ants and you too oh okay so um not a bad concert to be at not many people knew who you two was right i mean people people are actually chanting you two who like you two who <laughs> you know and they're waiting for uh you know adam ant to come on stage and yeah. and um i was with a girlfriend and then you know adam ant comes off and it's like oh, okay it's all good and then you two hits the stage and blew everyone away Mm -hmm. and overnight we all became U2 fans and they're still blowing people away today which is insane to think about that amount of time you know I mean for me personally I've never I've never caught the U2 vibe like they've never been that band for me but I certainly agree that they have a lot of talent and a lot of style and they do what they do very very well so I'll give yep. them I'll give them all the props for that. Quintessentially, just a a garage band that you know wrote some really interesting songs. You yeah, know? and uh, and they're Irish, which makes them, which makes them really cool in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Got to dig the accent, huh? I'll, I'll, well, I'm I'm very much Irish myself, so okay. it's kind of like to see an actual Irish band that became popular in culture was kind of cool. Yeah, you know? definitely. When did you when did you write your first 
piece of music or did you begin with um like poetry first and then migrated into music how did that how did that transformation of you into kevin max singer songwriter come about um started early on writing music um on the piano that's how i i i learned uh, piano at an early age um started writing ideas down i mean i i, I had a I, I probably had a series of songs that I had written in high school that never got to see the light of day, which is great. <laughs> um, it wasn't until probably mid semester of my first year in college that I actually started writing songs and um, putting them in context with a rock and roll band. And okay. this was pre DC talk. I was in a band called uh, justice for all, <laughs> which was uh Absolutely horrid. We thought we were amazing. Um, I'm going to walk so I get a little bit more light here because it's getting dark or I could turn some lights on. Not a problem. You're going to see me light up all of a sudden. (laughs) It's a little dark out there. All right. Here we go. Okay. Carry on. Just uh, so you uh, you were in this first band and you were terrible, but you thought you were awesome. I think that's pretty much the M.O. of every young band, especially high school and college age band. They everybody thinks they're better than they are. And sometimes it's true, but most of the time, not not so much. Yeah, there's there's delusions of grandeur, right? uh, Because you you aspire to be like your heroes you start to believe that you're like your heroes and then you find out really quickly when you get on the road, uh, that it takes a lot to become like your heroes. And, um, you know, in those early days, I had no concept that we would, you know, DC talk would ever become anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought we were, uh, you know, kind of a flash in the pan thing. We, we, we were, we were amazed that people actually liked what we did. Um, we were amazed when more than a hundred people came out to see the show. We were like, okay, we've done something, you know? Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about DC talk a little bit and the, uh, the transition from the first album, uh, you know, just your self-titled DC talk album. And then you transition into the second album, new thing. And, the sounds were similar, but you could tell that you guys had matured a lot between those two albums. What was that? What what helped that? What process was that like? Was it one of you guys that spurred that on more than the other, or was it a, a collaborative effort? How did you guys operate? Uh, the first probably two or three albums were, were highly um, all about Toby and the producers. I mean, Michael and I came in and basically were glorified background singers. We, we had ideas. Okay. Um, we really didn't, you know, push those ideas until free at last. And then Jesus freak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say the first two records were mainly Toby's agenda with Michael and I kind of following along as friends going, okay, this is cool. I can, I can sing to a rap kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And the songs were basically built between him and another producer. And Michael and I would, you know, give our ideas, but I mean, it wasn't largely a, a full committed band idea probably until Jesus freak. When Jesus freak happened, we were all writing together. Okay. Uh, um, I was submitting ideas, you know, from everything from melody to lyric to, uh, you know, arrangement really didn't happen until then. So it was kind of like 
Free at last, there was a little bit of that happening. There was a little bit of experimenting going on. Um, and I think Toby finally got the idea that, hey, these guys, these guys could actually help me create. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to get better, better lighting. That's better. okay. Is this better? That, you're fine. Just get comfortable, and we'll just roll <laughs> with it. I'm... Feels like a light bulb out here, though. You know, I'm so flexible. It's it's not even funny. I mean, most people that are going to pay attention to this are going to be listening to the audio portion. So you know, the video is. I just want to make sure you can see me. I'm sitting on my point. The 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 thing that's messed up about my Wi-Fi is that I get the best Wi-Fi sitting on my on my porch. (laughs) Um, I go inside, and then it's just it's for some reason it doesn't work out. Oh, that's not so. Okay, so that's so that was basically. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Go for it. No, that was the gist. I mean, it was kind of like, by the time Jesus Freak, the album came around, I basically told Toby, I said, um, <clears throat> I mean, we all need to be involved in this um, beyond just personalities. We need to write the music together mm-hmm. and we need to experience that in order to be a band. And, you know, and that, and that time we completely you know you know did a 180 as far as stylistic was concerned um stylism was concerned it was largely hip-hop meets r&b up until that moment Mm -hmm. and and jesus freak happened and it was like boom we were a band and it, it was kind of like it happened naturally i mean a lot of people look at it and they probably think well they 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 stole everything from nirvana it's not necessarily true we we kind of grew into the facets of being an actual band of, of, of dudes instead of just a rapper with two background singers. Right. So by the time Jesus Freak happened, we were all writing together. And to me, I think that's the, the first real DC Talk album, in my opinion. Um, and then Supernatural was absolutely a large uh, band effort as well. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, all of us were writing on every song at that point and contributing to the overall sound from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's interesting. I mean, when I listen to those early records and it's so hip hop oriented and it's great, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, but I knew that we had so many, we, we were still so multifaceted um, even though those, early albums don't really reflect that. Well, it seems like there's uh, the the first few albums seem as though it's kind of like unused talent as far as you and, and Michael are concerned. I mean, you guys did a fabulous job with what you had. Your vocal ranges were, were excellent. Nice, young, solid, firm voices getting out there and, and getting your feet wet in the business and everything. By the time it hit Jesus Freak, I, I can still remember where I was when that album hit. And there was a friend of mine who went to the store and bought the album and brought it to youth group. And after youth group, he says, come on, we, we got to go to your car and listen to this. So we walk out to my car, we shut the doors, we roll the windows up, we pop the CD in, and that first song hits, and we were both completely blown away. And at that moment, he and I both kind of felt that the Christian music scene was about to shift in a fantastic way, and it was the closest to what you could turn on any mainstream radio and find in in a pop and rock kind of category. That's that's what we were noticing 
was quality wise, sound wise, everything was about as good as you could get on a mainstream radio. I, I would agree. I mean, during that time period, I think we were more interested in listening to what our peers were doing in the general market as opposed to the peers in the, in the Christian market. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, honestly, from the very beginning, 1987, 88, the Christian marketplace was very strange. Um, there wasn't really any room for a band like DC Talk. Um, we basically... Uh, defined ourselves we 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 broke new ground we plowed through and 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 uh you know dug our own trench Mm -hmm. and um from that moment on we kind of you know the sky was the limit for us i think so from a place of imagination we wanted to grow with each record now i was just reading um a really interesting piece on uh u2 today on octung baby and it was basically talking about how they approached Octung Baby from Joshua Tree, much like they approached uh, Unforgettable Fire from War. They 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 said, you know, we're going to try something completely different. Mm-hmm. Not only trying to up ourselves musically, but we're got, we're actually going to shift directions because that's inspiring, and that's kind of where we were we were at between Free at Last and Jesus Freak. It was. Okay, we've done this. We've reached the ceiling of what we can do in the Christian marketplace. What's next? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's why that huge leap of faith, if you will, musically happened. And um, I think, you know, if the band would have stuck around, um, I think after Supernatural, you would have seen another huge shift. Okay. Because I think Supernatural was kind of just a natural progression it yeah. wasn't we weren't pushing ourselves as much gotcha you know? gotcha no that's uh that's great but stereotype b my solo album definitely a, a, a huge step from <laughs> what dc talk was doing um and in a way we all did that as solo artists so we all kind of stepped off the the mothership and you know became these three different ent- entities so so let's uh, let's dive into that transition. You know, you're in a wildly successful uh, trio uh, known as DC Talk, and that comes to an end. You're you're now on your own. You've got no one to blame but yourself in regards to the music that you write. You know, it's it's not a collaboration between you and and two other guys where you kind of the three of you are working out where you're going. This is all on you and you get to express yourself in whatever way that you feel you want to and put yourself out there for people to either appreciate it, enjoy it and buy it or not. How does that, how does that feel? I mean, is that a scary process to, to throw your soul out there like that for people to then determine what they think about it and share with you what they think about it? Um, yes and no. I mean, I I think that, um, I've been used to people, you know, coming up with their own conclusions about me for, for many, many, many years. Right. Um, it was an interesting place for me because, you know, just stylistically and, and artistically, I, uh, I wasn't completely satisfied with DC talk. So okay. I felt like I needed to 
I needed to basically, uh, what's, what's a good word? Um, just kind of express myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wasn't able to fully express myself within DC talk. So I think stereotype B was the culmination of me being able to do everything I wanted to do in the moment. Now, you know, granted I was on a big label and, um, they had ideas of what they wanted me to be like and sort of the whole industry. Right. And in a way it kind of pushed me to rebel <laughs> even a little bit more and say, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do what you expect me to do. This is going to be what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, when we finished with the album, I think A&R and Forefront and, and, you know, the team were just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I created something that was, was absolutely out of the loop when it came to CCM. Um, but I was proud of the fact that I had created that and, you know, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, it was kind of a launching pad for me to just be able to be, be creative and, and, and do music, um, the way I've, that came naturally to me. Right. I mean, you know, didn't write with a whole lot of people on that album. I mean, I basically wrote the songs myself with a couple of different friends. Yeah. Um, a co-writer um, here and there, but um, mainly it was with the peeps that I was hanging with. Sorry, I had a low battery. Oh, nope, no problem. What is, um, is it, how do I want to, how do I want to phrase this? Is it difficult to have people critique the art that you have done i mean whether whether positive or negative i mean i'm sure the positive is always nice to listen to and and it's great to hear and and can help build the ego or or soothe the soul but if people get too critical uh is that is that a tough pill to swallow or do you just kind of say well obviously i didn't write this for you if if you don't get it slash like it What was the question for me? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that pretty was much there a question in there for me. I guess that pretty much uh, answers it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, man, I've just I, my mantra has always been um, to just flat out be yourself. Yeah, and to be in that natural state of creativity is is the best. I think when you're trying to win over radio or you're trying to win over whatever it might be, you know, uh, this mass consumer that we've given a name, you know, to that we think that is going to enjoy this kind of music, you put so many limitations on what you can do. And yeah. I think when you, when you chip away at all those limitations and you're, you're able to just create from a very real place an honest place, um, that's when the good stuff comes out. Yeah. And so I've always challenged myself to be very honest. Um, almost to the point of being brutally honest. I mean, on, on the new album, um, broken temples, it, there, there's some confessional stuff on there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, I, I, I tend to think, you know, people, um, hide so many things about themselves and never really owe up to who they are. And they're never able to, feel that release mm -hmm. they're, they're 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 never able to experience grace yeah and um i think that's the big thing with me is it's it's all about you know not necessarily exercising my demons in front of everybody but it's it's just being who i am and being honest and take it or leave it i mean that's who i am and and 
that's probably why I don't fit within the music structure within Christian music as well as others, mm -hmm. because I, I don't play by anybody's rules. You know, <laughs> so. it's, it's uh, Kevin doesn't want to play the game that everyone else is playing. He wants to do it his don't way. Don't play the game. You know? I have a, I have a pirate flag out, out in front of my house. Do you? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, there you go. Look at that, a Jolly uh, Roger right there. That's jo that's the Jolly Roger. That's fly awesome. That flies outside of my house, so it's it's kind of a miniature um, statement of, hey, I do it my way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yes, I steal from other coves and and ports. I steal the ideas and I remanufacture them and I rebrand them as my own. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all do. There's no. There's there's really nothing completely new underneath the sun. So yeah. no, I I agree with that. Do you um do you uh I just had the question and now it's left me. Do you the oh pi the pirate flag just kind it, of it completely out. yeah completely <laughs> threw me. I wasn't uh, wasn't prepared for that. Um, okay. How you write your lyrics for music is do you treat that the same as the poetry that you write or do you consider them two separate means to an end I think poetry and um, prose music lyrics are very different okay. I mean um, poetry is there's really no uh, there's really no kind of um, when, when I break down my poetry it's I'm, I'm not thinking about sections I'm thinking about a fluid thought from start to finish okay. in a song. You've got to kind of tell a story. You've kind of got to, you know, get to a chorus and, and go to a place that people can relate to. I mean, I think the difference between the two, in the most general sense is I'm not really worried about poetry being absolutely relatable. Okay. Poetry is a little more purest art form. It's more about how I'm feeling in the moment, um, where, um, songwriting, I'm whether I want to or not, I'm thinking of other people and I'm thinking, you know, what are these people going to get out of this song? Okay. Do you leave your music to be open to interpretation or do you have, I don't want to say an agenda because that makes it sound like a negative thing. Um, but do you have kind of a, this is what this song is about to me, but honestly, it's okay if you get something else out of it. Yes. I think that um, I think that uh, music is people are going to get different things out of each song, okay. um, and it's going to be widely wildly different. I like the word you used, wildly. Um, it's going to be a vast difference from one listener to the next. Mm. So you can't, you know, say um, when when I write a song, I'm not necessarily worried that everybody's going to get it, but to the people that do get it, I want them to, you know, hear my heart, mm -hmm. hear, hear where I'm coming from. Um, but yeah, I think that you can't, you don't want to get trapped into thinking, you know, how are some, how are people going to take this and read into it where others are not? I mean, I think again, you're, you're limiting what you can do as a, as a, as a creative. Um, I look at the masters and I think, you know, was, was William Blake worried about, you know, what people were going to think when he, you know, painted a painting of, you know, Albion, you know, it's yeah. like, 
Probably not. Um, sorry, I'm moving on this side now because I hear a frog. That's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I'm getting a nice tour of the front porch, though. It's really, uh, it's really quite lovely. I'm, uh, I'm jealous there, of your there. house. There, I'll give you. I'll get, this is a snapshot of the front porch, right? Wonderful. There. That's nice. It's, 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 there's a lot of bugs happening right now. So. Yeah, we don't, uh, we don't have nice porches like that in California. Nobody sits out on their front porch. Uh, we have no, no. We have stoops, and uh, they're very small. It's just a, a stairway to get up to the doors. Pretty much the. I know what a stoop it. is. I'm I'm familiar. Are you? Yeah. Uh, before moving into this, I've been in several houses. Um, all of them different. Uh, the reason <laughs> I chose this house was because there was a great porch that I could sit down and become an old man and uh, <laughs> yell at kids to get off my, your lawn, read my books, and yell at kids. Hey, 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 buddy. <laughs> yeah. No shirt. No shoes, no dice. That's it. That's it. Hey, uh, I got a question here for you from uh, a listener, and he says uh, he was kind of curious. moving around? Yeah, well, no. His, his question is, why did you decide to do the album The Blood? Hmm. Um, I did the album The Blood because I wanted to, because I could. <laughs> Um, I've always been a fan of old gospel music. Um, I grew up listening to Elvis gospel, yeah, Johnny Cash gospel, um, the Imperials, uh, Mavis Staples, okay. um, that kind of thing appeals to me. Um, so, you know, as an art form, I felt like I, I kind of wanted to, to play with that and see what I could come up with. And I was excited because we, I think we covered like all of the angles that, you know, kind of inspired me as a, as a, as a youth. And, um, man, it was just, it was a blast to do it, you know, getting Amy Grant on the record and Vince Gill and Joanne Cash and, you know, uh, Mary Mary and just all these really great, um, performers to, to help me out. Yeah. Help me find my way out of my whiteness. <laughs> I've told people many times I want to attend a black church one time, uh, just to to be there for a, a service like that. It it sounds like an amazingly fun time, uh, and just it's it's those churches certainly know how to worship, and they worship in a completely different way than uh, my typical conservative, uh, mostly white church here in uh, in California does. Yes. So that is uh, that is awesome. Uh, so Toby releases a new uh, album with some track listing uh, or releases a, a track listing of his new album. And on there is a uh, is a song. And people have been in a furor because it says it features DC talk. What uh, I just realized for the first time, I should be looking at this little button. Is the little? No, no, no. You're fine. <laughs> I was looking at you, and now I'm like, oh wait, I should be looking right here. You're good. You're good. What? Uh, what was it this like? Is why I hate Skype. It's very. I'm a very easily distracted individual. It's, it's, I think it's called ADHD. A- yeah. There called. you go. There you go. I think uh, it's called being a guy. But you I know, think it's called. Yeah, I'd rather be talking to you. Um. What was it like yeah, working so, with the guys? I mean, I know you guys weren't, from what I've heard, you weren't even in the same room recording this stuff. You each did it at your own places at your own times. But, I, I mean, what's the, what's the feeling like of, of working well, together Toby on this Well, and I were in the room at the same time. Oh, were you? I mean, that was, 
that was good. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, Michael would have been there, but he, he was probably doing a show. Um, I, I thought it was great. I mean, it, it's the same vibe that we've had from the very beginning. It's just um, three very different people uh, <laughs> that love each other as brothers and get together and, and you know, become this musical mutant that uh, few can swallow, yeah. you know, and um, it's uh, or many can swallow these days. Uh, yeah. When we first started out, that was the first review of our album was a three headed musical mutant that no one can swallow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I always laughed at that review because it's it was, you know, negative, but it was true. We were very different people and yeah. um, kind of all over the all over the page nothing's changed from that respect i mean we're all all over the page yeah um you know toby's a, a really great um producer creative guy so getting in the studio with him is always fun because i know he's he's up to a lot of tricks mm-hmm. um you know i'm a creative head so i get in there and i you know i want to change it all of course <laughs> Put the... so then i just go no 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 this is your track Let's right have fun. right so it was great just to kind of turn off and tune off and become a singer mm-hmm. and not have to you know worry about production or anything um it's a great sounding song it's a uh, it's a great lyric um I'm, I'm excited to see what it does um i i challenged him though i said you know this doesn't sound like a single I said if I was going to put DC Talk back together, I'd at least you know make it a single. But um, you know who cares about singles? You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. No, I I think who it's cares about radio. Well, no, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, no. oh okay. Well, I'm I'm in radio. I still care about radio. I know it's I know it, the claim sure. is that it's dying, but uh, we'll see if that's actually true or not. But, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny. The whole DC Talk breakup, it's like th- people seem to want there to have been controversy that caused you guys to split. And they want to impart this animosity that, that doesn't seem to exist at all. Because uh, every time anybody talks about it, you guys have nothing but love for each other and the, you know, the future. I don't know what they're saying when they say, yeah, I mean, we've never had an issue with each other personally. Right. I think it was just... Being in a band for, you know, a certain amount of time on the bus together for years on end. <laughs> I mean, anybody would want to take a break from anybody. Right. I mean, um, you know, it's for different folks, it's different things. I mean, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards have been able to do it together for this long for whatever reason. I mean, you know, the Beatles lasted as long as they did for whatever reason. The Imperials lasted as long as they did for whatever reason everybody's different individuals are different but i have nothing against the other two guys in the band and i love them as brothers and man if we get to get back together and just do a song here or there or we do like a huge you know tour of the uh, uh of the caribbean um for three years in a row and just <laughs> stick to the main islands I'd, i'll be happy yeah you know? no i i, I think bring it's... my kids with well of course Absolutely, yeah, I, I think I'm a dad it's, now. I'm, I'm a boring dad. A I've boring got four kids, isn't it? It's no such thing. How many kids? I do you drive have? around in my golf cart and ride my bike and just yell at kids and <laughs> get grumpy on my porch. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm a I'm a dad of two, so I you know I kind of understand that in the in that Congrats. regard. 
Thank you very much. They are, uh, they're a lot of fun, but they're a lot of work. I don't think people realize how much work kids are. Kids are, how old are your kids? I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, both girls. Then you absolute, absolutely know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there too. A 10-year-old, eight-year-old, six-year-old, three-year-old. Wow. That's awesome. So very, very awesome. So I just had a 10% uh, thing come across my phone. So just letting you know, we have 10% more of this conversation. <laughs> That's not a problem. We have 10% more to give you. One, uh, one last big question, and then we'll wrap it up so that we don't completely kill your phone. Um, I'm just curious, what inspires you today? Like, what inspired you for Broken Temples, and what continues to inspire you uh, to write the music that, that you write? Um, I think it's been hardwired into me to create. I mean, it's just I've, I've been given the gift of music from generation to generation. My, you know, I get it from my fathers and they get it from their fathers and so on and so on. I feel like for me, I'm, I'm just kind of a restless soul. So mm-hmm. I feel like I have to constantly be creating something. If I'm not, I drive people crazy. I drive my wife crazy. <laughs> She's like, please write a new song. Please go on the road. Please, you know, <laughs> write with somebody, make an album, you know, write a book, which I did you know, act in a movie, which I did, Mm -hmm. you know, do something as opposed to sitting around the house and, you know, um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, pushed and, 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 um, driven to, to create based on my imagination. So I, I have a quite a big imagination and I, 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 it tends to get me in trouble. So I, I, um, I try to find ways to, to, express myself through music and poetry and, and books um, without being idle. And I think, you know, Devil's Workshop is idle hands is very mm. true Yeah. In my, in my specific situation. Gotcha. If I, had, if I had idle time, I'd probably be a criminal. Mm. Uh, so. <laughs> you seem like the kind of guy who's comfortable sitting in a chair, but at the same time, your brain is constantly going over things. That's just the impression yeah, that well, I get. So. Like right now, I'm you know, yeah, I've got a couple of songs I'm working on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to creating them. I've got an album that I'm getting ready to create. Um, we got a new pledge campaign that's happening. Um, crowdfunding happened last year for the first time for me, and I thought it was amazing. I never okay. thought I'd go out and ask people for money, and, right. and now I'm asking people for money, and it's 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 fine. <laughs> They're able to help me. They're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, we like you. We'll help you. That's and right. That was like a huge, like, whoo. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, Kevin, I want to say thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to to come and hang out with us and just have a nice conversation about music and all kinds of... Uh, I apologize for the bad lighting uh, and the uh, Wi-Fi <laughs> capability. You are... I, I think we made it through. We did. I mean? We did. We did great. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. We are... Uh, we're looking forward to what it is that you've got coming up next as far as music is concerned. And, uh, you know, keep us posted as to as to what the next steps are because we'd, we'd love to ride along with you. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the next thing I'm doing right now is, is a pledge campaign um, for a album called rediscovery okay and i'm going to be throwing that up you know on my web nets pretty soon whatever you call it casting your nets before <laughs> social media, media. i yeah. don't know what what they call it these days but 
Yeah, I'm going to put it out there and and um, um, getting ready to do a show um, next month. And then we do a couple more in August and then we do a bunch of them in the fall. Nice. I'm going to go overseas, going to be in Europe, going to be in India, going to be kind of all over the place. So it's fantastic. um, Excited. And you you never know if this Toby Mac song becomes a single, he might he might say, uh, hey, let's let's make another record. Yeah. Anything is but the the world is the the whole world is possible right now. If if Broken FM could just get behind it and push it a little bit, it might become something. <laughs> I don't think it'll be too difficult for us to do that. I mean, we haven't heard the song yet, of course, but uh, we've got enough. I can play DC... it for you right now if you want me to. Oh, hey, you know, let's uh, <laughs> let's do a world premiere. No, that's I, uh... I would. I think Capital would would try to find me, and then that would be fun because I'd love to fight them. But, yeah. You know, it's... There you <laughs> it's all yeah, good. Yeah, you want to take me? Come up, come up on my porch. Come on. We'll Wave my pirate uh, flag in your face. I, I had a great conversation with Toby before the song and then after the song, and uh, he sent it to me three days ago. I finally got the song. Okay. And I was listening to it on my headphones, and I was like, okay, this is good. Gotcha. You know? Great. Nice. So I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, um, new music always happening from me, so... Um, I will keep you abreast Thank of the you. situation. Appreciate that very, very much. Kevin Max, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a special edition of the Rock in a Hard Place podcast, Songwriter Sessions with Kevin Max. If you want more info, you can check out our Facebook page, Rock in a Hard Place podcast uh, is, the, is the place to go, facebook.com slash, or you can go to rockinahardplacepodcast.com. That'll automatically redirect you to the Facebook page. So uh, we just want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in. We are out of here. Catch Paul and I on Saturday. We start recording live at 9 a.m. And uh, we'd love to have you come hang out with us. Have a great one. See you.